This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Man, how nice was it to see teams back on the field over the weekend? Lucky for us, that was just week one. There is no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. And to add to this week's excitement, DraftKings has millions of bucks in total prizes up for grabs. If you have not tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store right now because you do not want to miss this. Draft your lineup right now. Feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. It's easy. You pick your lineup, you stay under the salary cap, and you see how your team stacks up against the competition. I'm telling you, nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of bucks in prizes. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. So download the DraftKings app right now. Use the code Rome, and for a limited time, new users can get a free shot, a free shot at millions of bucks in prizes this week. Do not miss out on the week two action. Enter the code Rome. Get a free shot, a free shot, and millions of bucks in prizes with that first deposit. Code Rome. Only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Two protein shakes immediately after my workout. I go to breakfast and have two giant platefuls. I'd have a jar or a bag of almonds sitting with me at my desk. A meal when I got home at 5.30, I'd have another meal at about 7 o'clock, and then I'd finish the night off with that pint of Ben and Jerry's. Being a glorified sumo wrestler is what I equate it to being an offensive lineman. Hey now, what's cracking? What's up? Welcome to episode 143 of the Jim Rome Podcast. Really glad to have you here, and my guest this week is a former 11-year center for the Chargers, a 2006 Pro Bowler, a dynamic personality. Of course, I'm talking about Nick Hardwick. My man has got an amazing story. From not playing football in high school to lining up in front of Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers for over a decade, all the way to how he dropped 80 pounds in four months after retirement and then rewired his brain for his post-football playing days. This is an amazing conversation and one that I cannot wait to spin for you. It's coming at you right now. Here's Nick Hardwick. Nick, you've been there. So, like, how big a difference is there between 1-0 and 0-1 when you start that season? I mean, especially this season, it's so weird. But how big a difference is there for a player and a team to start that year 1-0 as opposed to 0-1, no matter how it looks? Yeah, it just kind of validates all the work that you did in the offseason. You understand going into week one, you're not a finished product, but you would like to come out with that victory because it just it, it gives you that credit that we were on the right we're on the right path and if we just continue to push further and push harder we're going to continue to have more success and most coaches will say and I tend to agree with them 
you have your greatest leaps in the season from week one to week two in performance because things get crazy week one. And now, especially with no preseason games and you didn't have that build up and they didn't quite have as much training camp time and not as many reps, which when I first started, we had 1,500 training camp reps, and, and that was in pads. And then it got whittled down after the CBA to about 750 to 800 padded reps that you would be able to get in as a player. And then now with COVID and with the protocols and everything that they had to go through and the reduced training camp even further than that, just to come out with a win, it's massive. And then let's see where we can go from here would be the philosophy that I would take as a coach. Yeah, I'm glad you brought those numbers up, Nick. I want the listeners to keep those numbers in mind because I want to double back to that a little bit later on when we talk about the numbers. So obviously, Nick, you, your guy, Philip Rivers, you were his center for nine years with the Chargers. So let me go there next. You know him as well as anybody. And I've got to think that there's nobody in the game that you like and respect more than Philip. I know it's only one game, but that's not the start to the season, obviously, that here the Colts wanted. How concerned are you about what you saw from Philip on Sunday? Yeah, I guess before I say anything, I mean, Philip's one of my dearest friends in the entire world, and I'd still jump in front of a train for that guy, just from all the years that we spent together, the time we spent together, and the kind of man that he is, and what he represents, and how much he cares about his teammates, his organizations that he plays for, and really his performance on the field. So I know Last weekend's performance against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that a lot of people thought is just tanking for Trevor Lawrence and was coming out and getting rid of all their best players. And you've got Gardner Minshew at quarterback, and they're not going to be able to do anything. And this is going to be a boat race. And it just didn't at all turn out the way that the Indianapolis Colts expected it to. And, you know, watching as a friend, it was hard to watch because the commentary – leaving last year with the Chargers where you had Melvin Gordon holding out at the beginning of the year. Hunter Henry was hurt. You had the center, veteran center Mike Pouncey and Russell Okun at left tackle who were both injured during the season and spent significant times either on the pup list or on IR. And so they didn't really get rolling the way that they expected to, especially following that 12-4 and season. They couldn't ever get the run game established. And Phillip just didn't have the performances last year that he needed to have to carry that team to where they wanted to be with what was remaining on the roster. And there was a lot of people going, he still got, and and he still does, and you can see it in the Jacksonville game, he can still make all of the requisite throws and he can make those out-cutting routes, those corner route throws that you have to be able to make as a high-level quarterback However, there were moments in that game, in the two interceptions in particular, that looked like really poor decisions, throwing into double coverage. There was a little pressure in his face on the second one, didn't get his feet reset. And he's never had exceptional arm talent. And so he's never really had the ability to not have great footwork in the pocket and be able to point him at somebody. But he's thrown from strange arm angles in the past with wild accuracy. And I say that about Philip is that he still has a lot of accuracy, but when the pressure came in his face and he took bad steps and he second guessed the decision that he was making and he still threw it into double coverage, that was for me as a fan, if I'm a Colts fan, that would be of concern based on what we saw last year leaking into this year. 
You know, Nick, I appreciate that response because I know how close you guys are, so I think that's a really, really candid response. Now, you played with Drew Brees, also with the Chargers, another Purdue man like yourself, another legend when it comes to desire, determination, work ethic, attention to detail. I understand that he and Philip are different guys, but how are they similar? How are they similar and how are they different? I think the way that they're similar, first off, would be it's something that all leaders have. And they come in the room, and you immediately know that they care more than anybody else does. They're willing to put more time in. They put more effort in. And their attention to detail is exceptional. They are a lot different, however. And I would say Philip is more – he was molded more under the North Turner system where it was kind of free flowing it was counter punchy it was more artistic and we're going to come into a ball game and we're going to see what you're doing and we got a wild rolodex of pass routes and runs and formations and personnel groups that we have the flexibility at the line of scrimmage and through the headset to be able to make changes and adjustments as the game goes along during north turner era we had 200 something pass route options available on every single game plan. You can't possibly drill that many or rep that many in practice. There's just not enough time in the week or the month to be able to get that done. And, and so we would go in not having repped everything at an incredibly high level. However, there were games, and I have to say to Norris credit, where he would come in and he had a game plan in mind and the opponent would bring something else out, and he would paint an absolute masterpiece. It would be a Picasso-type performance, and we'd score 48 and light the board up and stretch the field vertically, and he was just on fire. And then there were other games where we came out with that counter-puncher-type mentality where we just really couldn't ever get back up and get the hand of leverage as it came to the play calling and to the execution, and we weren't as dialed as we should be. Philip is of that mold. Drew Brees, however, being a Purdue guy, an industrial management major, which is part industrial engineer and part manager, he's got that engineering type mind. Everything to Drew is a system and everything has a process. Watch him. Watch I was just amazed watching him against the Bucks and watching him over the course of his career, how particular he is, even about his stretch routine. I saw him come out and I knew he did this pregame. This is the first time that I saw him doing it halftime as I was kind of thinking about his age and everything and how these guys must feel running around on the turf because I know coaching high school football and third-grade football now, being out on that turf for a couple hours, it takes its toll on your body, and these guys are in their 40s performing at such a high level. Well, Drew comes out, and he's got a, a stretch routine that he has done countless amounts of times to the clock, and you can set your dial by – what stretch he's going to be in with how much time is remaining on that clock before the start of the game or before half. And that's just Drew. Everything is down to a science. I got the opportunity to interview Drew a couple years ago at Chargers training camp when the Saints were out with the inter-squad practices. And I said, what's one thing, Drew, that has set you apart from everybody else? What's one thing that the common folk could take from you? And he said, you know, at night, before I go to bed, I've got a little notepad that I sit on my nightstand, and I write down my goals and things that I need to get accomplished for tomorrow. He said, every single aspect of my life is intentional and it's thought of before he does it. He doesn't wing anything. And you can really see that in his performance. And I think that's 
made a huge difference in, in Drew's career, and it's really allowed him to go to the next level. And Nick, I think that is so powerful. I think there's such genius in the repetition and the discipline yes. and the process. And, you know, it brings me to my next point. Like I mentioned, your your journey and your football life is fascinating. Something you've talked about, you've written about, and for those who do not know, you underwent an intensive six-week brain treatment protocol at the Brain Treatment Center in San Diego. Take me back. Why did you decide to do that? There was a moment we were in Atlanta, and I was covering uh, the, the event for my local sports talk radio show that we did in San Diego at Extra 1360. And I just remember thinking, there are thoughts that I'm having that I'm unable to complete. And it was real. I'm super thankful that I was on the radio and I had been on the radio since I left the game. And that gave me the opportunity to stay in the arena and to stay sharp and to realize when I felt like my performance was slipping or it wasn't quite what I wanted it to be and to go make adjustments to that. And I think when you get out of the arena, you don't even realize when you are slipping. So I'm super thankful that I even had that opportunity to be doing that, to know that I felt like my brain wasn't quite making the final connections that I wanted it to make on the thoughts that I was having and, you know, putting together conversations and being able to go start down one path and take kind of a circuitous meandering route and wind up back on the same path and be able to finish off that kind of congruent thought. And I wasn't able to do that. And that was really bothersome for me. And I'd always in the back of my mind, of course, after all the information you hear about concussions and CTE and the awful outcomes that happen to former football players later in life, that was always a concern. And then you watch the movie concussion and Mike Webster and he's a center and all of that, right? And so it all kind of weighs on you. And then when your thoughts start to, you start to lose a little bit of your thoughts, then for me, the, the good news is I've, I've had a friend who was a Navy SEAL who had very similar issues that I was having. And years before he said, hey, if anything ever happens, if you ever need additional help, I went and sought the Brain Treatment Center in San Diego. They've got them all over the country. And that was a huge benefit to me. And it's magnetic e-resonance therapy. They basically put a magnet on the front of your head and the back of your head after you do an EEG and they figure out which neurons aren't firing and why. And you get a map of your brain, of your brain waves, which is really cool. And they try to make those brain waves consistent from front to back and from side to side. After six weeks, I tell you, it was a world of a difference. And I felt like the world opened up to me again. I wanted to be back out in the community, in society, enjoying my friends, enjoying my family. And it was a, it was an absolute blessing that I found that, that I had a friend who had gone through that whole process before and recommended me to it. And so I can't recommend it highly enough to people. And I, I think part of the the real juice in it is just, that you're actively pursuing something that is going to make you better. And whether it's that physical act and that treatment that does it, or if it's the power of belief that you're doing something that is going to benefit you, I don't care. All I know is I came out of that treatment and that six weeks, a better person and my brain feels more resilient than ever before. Hey, listen, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Instead, this time, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. 
So you might ask, why Old Trapper? I'll tell you why. Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Plus, I know the folks involved. Old Trapper is a family-owned business. They take smoked beef very seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Like, who wants dried out, tough beef in a bag? No one. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal. It comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned, which is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. Next time you want a great protein, an energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, reach for some Old Trapper. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper. What's your beef? This is really important. Like, you said something else that I want to reference that you wrote about that's fascinating to me. As media members, as fans, we we don't understand that life. We just don't. There's no way any of us could possibly begin to understand the mentality that it takes to get on that, into that arena, and play that sport, and to function in a violent capacity like that. You wrote, quote, I was able to function because over the years I had hardwired my mentality to continue to persevere through pain, discomfort less than ideal situations and to be honest some states of depression I now recognize and to quote I think it's a fascinating statement like are you saying that were you able to kind of rewire your brain to deal with physical and emotional challenges that came with playing the game or is it a pain threshold thing what do you mean by that yeah it's it's a funny thing football and I think a lot of other professional sports you do you have to have a, a massive pain threshold to be able to continue to endure. I always, I think it would be a funny game and maybe not funny to the people that you would put it through. But if I were able to allow somebody to enter my body and feel what I feel on a daily basis, then they started at zero and then entered my body and they were able to go, Whoa, this is what you feel like on a daily basis. I think they would be. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to play that super. game, Nick. I don't want to play that game. Pass. Hard pass. But I know exactly what you're saying. That's why I posed that question. That would be that would be really alarming. But over the course of the years and, and working your way up from childhood all the way up until a professional and now this is my sixth season out of the NFL, you just kind of grow accustomed to waking up and something sitting out of spot. You deal with it for the day and then you just continue to move. And you You build up that pain threshold and – you adapt, you overcome, and I do feel like the best way to deal with it is to just continue to move and continue to work out and flush the body out, flush the brain out with fresh blood and oxygen and give yourself those feel-good hormones, the epinephrine, the norepinephrine, and all of that adrenaline that comes with the kind of pain-killing properties of physical activity and exercise. That That's how I get through my days, and it's I think it's the best way to get through the day. So it seems to me like you you don't have regrets. Like you would do it all over again. Is that the case? And if so, like what did this the game of football do for you? Why is the game itself so important to you? Oh, I have absolutely no regrets. And if <laughs> if I could, I would still be playing. I look out there now and I go, I don't want to feel the way that those guys are going to feel tomorrow because I know how I feel today. The game was everything. I mean, for me, it was such a joy to be on that field. It was 
not always my dream to be an NFL athlete, but it was my dream as a little boy to be a professional athlete and to be somebody that had a chance to run out of a tunnel and have my name called over a loudspeaker and have people cheering for me. It's just how I was built. And I I yearned for that from an early age. I remember sitting in high school with notebooks in study hall, and I would practice signing my name over and over and over again because I wanted to have to sign autographs. I wanted that opportunity to be able to take pictures with people and smile and sign autographs and make their day just by being there. And that's kind of the power of being a professional athlete. But aside from that kind of moment, personally and selfishly, it was the greatest time to go out on a football field and fight another giant human being for three and a half hours. And another, I mean, it's just another thing that I, I enjoy physical contact. I really, I mean, I grew up with a brother who's 15 months older than me. We wrestled, we fought incessantly and it just kind of carried over into every sport that I played. But the, the, the beauty of football I think more than any other sport. And I think why so many fans are crazy about the game is because it is so urgent. And, and I've always said every single, every season is like five years of life. I mean, you have so many highs, so many lows that you have to deal with in the course of a game, let alone a season and so many lessons to be learned in there. And I feel like it is a, a life course accelerated and while I played 11 years, I mean, it was almost as if I had 30-something years, 50 years of life experience that I took from the game and everything that it taught me and, and all, of those, all of those little lessons. I mean, it was a really powerful crash course in life. And I think every player would tell you the same thing. And not to mention just the joy of being out there with your friends and working towards a common goal and looking over your shoulder and not having to say anything to your line mate or to the guy in the huddle, but just knowing that that dude's got your back. And if anything goes down, he's going to be with me and I'm going to be with him. And we don't have to say anything. We can grunt. We can communicate through a look in our eye. And not many people get to experience that. So you can sense, like, when you lay it out like that, you can tell why you guys have the types of bonds that you have and that they're forever bonds. But when you talk about, like, this this sense of urgency, this timeliness, this bottom line that you can live five years in a, in a season or even more than that, what happens when you get out? Like you said, it's great. It's great that I've been on the radio. I'm still in the arena. I can talk about the game I love. But do you see that sense of urgency that you saw in the NFL, in corporate America, or any other walk <laughs> of life? What's it like for you now in the other side i think that's one of the hardest adjustments jim i I really do i think when i i got out into the real world and i immediately became the field reporter for the chargers and thankfully in san diego they gave me my own morning radio show and i had to learn on the job and it was a lot of fun but I, i tell you there is in regular human life there is not even close to the sense of urgency that there is in the football world and And part of that, I'm sure, is because they can't just fire you like they can everywhere else. And you're not on display for the entire nation and millions of people to be viewing. And your family's not watching you do your job on a daily basis. So you're not running out of the tunnel with your name on your back. And that that really, that the pace of life, the speed of life, and 
kind of the thrills that you get in daily routine human life, they just aren't there from what we experienced as athletes. And I think that's one of the great struggles is finding the pace again and getting in sync with everybody else and finding something that gives you the stoke, something that gives you that pump, that adrenaline rush, that sense that I'm live and you get it being on air and you, that, that sense of being plugged into the universe where you are one, you're in a flow state and everything's kind of cranking and everything that you've prepared for is happening in real time. And you could acknowledge that moment at the time that it's happening and you continue to press forward and you're having a great show. Like that is, and I, I did find in sports talk radio, those moments were as close as I could get to being on the field. And it was a great feeling and it was charged up and calling charger games was a ton of fun to do in person. And that was as close as you could get. It's those live moments where you have a chance to be exposed, where your preparation could fail you. And it's all right there. Like that is the juice. And, and that's what it, I would urge other players that are retiring or nearing retirement or seeking happiness after the NFL or whatever sport they came from, that's what I would urge them is you've got to find something that allows you to feel alive again. See, Nick, I think that, I mean, you've got that perspective and you've got that approach. You have that strategy. You understand that. You get that. I'm curious, like, if you go even beyond that, and I know exactly what you're saying, you want to get to that flow state where you're super productive and you can achieve, but you personally, if you spend the chunk of your life that you did working towards and competing for the Lombardi Trophy, and now you move on, like, what is your Super Bowl now? (laughs) Living to be 100 years old is is my goal. And I never got the opportunity to win the Super Bowl. We got close. We played an AFC championship game. And I had a coach, John Ramsdale, who coached for the St. Louis Rams when they were the greatest show on turf. And he came over and he was our quarterback's coach. And he told us midway through one year, he said, guys, if you are basing the success of your career, and he had already won a Super Bowl, mind you, when he had come to us. If you're basing the success of your career on winning the Lombardi trophy, you are setting yourself up for disappointment. And I always took to that because the way I look at things, that is a material possession. And yes, we sure would like to have it. And we sure would like to, as men, become good enough athletes and strong enough mentally and on that quest to get to that Lombardi and and what you have to become to be able to win that, I think is the real prize of the trophy. Didn't get that opportunity, but I do think we got most of the good stuff out of football that you would hope to get out of the game when you spend all your time. And not to, not to mention the financial windfall that comes from being an NFL athlete. But now my whole passion, my commitment is to my health and it's, And I start with that because without health, I don't think you can experience all that life has to offer. And it's taken me a while to get here after being in the NFL and transitioning out. I'd say a good three, four, five years even. And I think that's pretty standard for most guys. But once you pop out of that window and you really settle into the pace of life, boy, is it good. It is 
so good on the other side and I am so thankful and blessed and I wake up every morning and I just look around me and I go, how did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? And I just, I want to keep this going until I'm a hundred years old. So that's my new Super Bowl trophy. That's the Lombardi that I'm after is to be a hundred and get to see my great grandkids and not only get to see them, but interact with them and learn about them and follow their lives. Hey, check this out. Are you looking for some new content? Peacock is the new streaming service from NBC Universal. Great entertainment is finally free. Peacock has live sports, daily highlights, timely docuseries, and exclusive access to Premier League. And the best of live events, 2020-2021 Premier League season with over 175 exclusive matches live streamed on Peacock. Plus coverage of the U.S. Open live from Wingfoot from September 17th through the 20th. Exclusive streaming destination of the 2021 Olympics as well. Real stories, beautifully told documentaries that tell the otherwise untold stories of grit, perseverance, and triumph behind the athletes we love. I'm talking about the best of streaming, best of TV. You can watch for free and upgrade for more on your TV, tablet, or phone. Go to PeacockTV.com to download and start streaming now. Before I let you go, let's talk health. I think when you say, how did this happen to me? I think, I think we know, right? Like you're extremely mindful and you've worked really, really hard at it. Like the fact of the matter is you're tall, but you're not necessarily like a huge person per se. And I say that because you said one of the great things about the NFL was being a giant person and going up against another giant person for three hours straight. Like you played, when you were at your peak, were you 295? And how hard was it for you to gain and maintain that weight? Yeah, it was it was very difficult for me to get up there. When I walked onto the Purdue football team because of Drew Brees taking the the Boilermakers to the Rose Bowl for the first time since 1967, I was 229 pounds. Wow. And within about five months, once I realized they were shifting me from linebacker, who I did my 6 a.m. workouts with, to defensive tackle, they bypassed the defensive end room altogether. Hmm. Said, you're going to be a defensive tackle that I got to put on some weight. So I ended up putting on about 50 something pounds in the next five or six months. And about 285, 290 was my natural playing weight. Even in the NFL, I was undersized and taking on these giant nose guards and it was all technique and speed and hand quickness and putting myself in the right position that allowed me to have the success that I did. But I getting up to, 290, 295 pounds, that was work. I was eating six, seven, eight thousand calories a day. And at the end of the night, at the end of my career, just to keep that weight on, I would sit in bed and eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's. You name the flavor, we had it in my freezer. And I tell you, it drove my wife nuts because I would sit there with the spoon and I'd do the, the turnover thing and <laughs> sit, <laughs> sit there watching, watching our nightly show, spending time together. And, you want to drive a woman crazy, just sit in bed and eat a pint of ice cream because it's your job to do that. And, but but it was work. And I would wake up in the morning at 4.30. I'd have two protein bars on the way to work. I'd have two protein shakes immediately after my workout. I'd go to breakfast and have two giant platefuls. I'd have a jar or a bag of almonds sitting with me at my desk in the meeting rooms that I could just munch on all day long just to get those extra calories. I'd have a meal when I got home at 5.30, I'd have another meal at about 7 o'clock, and then I would finish the night off with that pint of Ben and Jerry's. 
it was tons of work. It's, being a glorified sumo wrestler is kind of what it, I equate it to being an offensive lineman. Yeah, you're like Joey Chestnut every single day. It's like competitive <laughs> eating is a way of life every single day. So, like, what did you – because you look amazing right now. And at the time when you lost all the weight when you retired, everybody made such a big deal out of it, and understandably so. So what kind of a workout and nutrition plan have you settled into in your few years since you have retired? What's your life like now? Yeah, it, it takes me – kind of five years I've been through everything I've done every single diet you could ever imagine actually I created my own diet when I got put on injured reserve week one of the 2014 season my neck was breaking down on me I had to had to shut it down I was losing control of my fingers my ring finger my pinky finger were doing this kind of lobster claw type thing I couldn't button my shirt up I was having a hard time holding pencils and pens and dropping water bottles and it was it was time to go, and I realized that. And so immediately, that was the last year of my contract with the Chargers. It was my 11th season, and I knew I wasn't going to play longer than that. I had a strength coach who told me, hey, but don't stay too long. He told me that at the beginning of my career. I was going to play eight. They gave me a healthy contract after the eighth season for three more, final year of my contract. And so I knew I was not only going to be on injury reserve that year, I was going to be retiring at the end of the season. So I came up with this program for myself and basically it was kind of intermittent fasting, carb cycling, a lot of walking, yoga, and high intensity interval training. And I called it the four, two, three, one diet. It broke every single meal up into 600 calorie meals. One day I'd have four, 600 calorie meals. So 2,400 calories. The next day I'd have two 600 calorie meals, which was 1200 calories. The next day I'd have three of those 1800 calories. And the final day, before I hit the cycle back again, I'd have one, which was one 600-calorie meal in a day. And you go from eating seven, 8,000 calories a day down to, at times, 600 calories mm. in a day. Weight was falling off of me. So I ended up losing 85 pounds in about four and a half months. Wow. And the skinniest I got was 202. As after a hot yoga session, I stood on the scale and being a competitive person, I looked down and said, 202. And I looked in the mirror and I said, all right, three more pounds and I'll be at 199. And for some reason, I wanted to get under 200. And then I turned to the side and saw my profile in the mirror at the yoga studio. And I thought, oh, my goodness, where have you gone? Hmm. And if Armageddon hits, I'm going to get my butt whooped out there. And so I immediately came home and started eating. And my wife was so thankful because... She had been telling me, Nick, you're too skinny. This, you've gone too far. But in my competitive head, I think this was all that I could control was my body weight at that time. I didn't have the season. I couldn't compete anymore. So I was competing with another teammate who got put on IR who was retiring at the end of the year. And I was competing with that daggone scale. And, and by God, I was winning. God, it's amazing. Like, it never ends, right, Nick? And it, it's always you against, if it's not you against the guy in front of you, it's certainly you against you, and it probably always yeah. is you against you. The way you broke always. that down, that, that sounded like the kind of industrial engineer Purdue man in you. So you're the founder <laughs> of Hardwick Life. Exactly what is Hardwick Life? Hardwick Life, it's, it's my supplement company. We do recipes. We've got a registered dietitian on board. And basically what we're trying to do with the company is just inspire and motivate people to live a healthier lifestyle so they can be around for their kids and they can enjoy their spouse and they can enjoy what they're doing on a daily basis 
to the fullest. And so we've got a whole line of supplements and, and they're really tremendous pharmaceutical grade. So they're 99% of what we say is in the bottle is in the bottle, which is very difficult to find anywhere else on the shelf. And we put out weekly recipes. I put out weekly motivation and then we have a registered dietitian who's essentially writing us a book every single Friday about where do I start? What diet's best for me? How do I avoid late night eating? So all these tremendous articles that are going into it. And it's just really helping people expedite the process that I went through to find normalcy, to find a good, healthy weight, to find hormonal balance, and to really be able to live their best lives. That's what we're trying to purvey and, and help people with. And, and it's just, it's a passion project and it's a ton of fun for me. And it's, it's very stimulating running a business and trying to figure out a new game. And, and for me, it's, it's all about that. And I, I hope people will give the website a try. It's hardwick.life and we just, we have so much fun with it and I hope people will get a real kick out of it and, and find benefit in the products that we promote. You know, Nick, finally, it seems to me too, like, man, I don't know. It's, you don't want to be – you got to have a good perspective about this, but time goes fast. It goes so, so fast. Like, I'm looking around. I'm like, where did the 30 years, the last 30 years of my life go? And I – like, I I don't mean to be weird about this, but, like, I have friends that I came up with in the business in that town in San Diego and radio. And, like, I know people that are all of a sudden I wake up and they're in their 60s. So now we're doing everything we can to be as healthy as we can, and you want to fight decay, right? You want to get better, not worse. You want to keep grinding. You want to keep working. You want to make better decisions. You want to educate yourselves. I think a lot of the listeners feel that way. Like, I don't want to get greedy about this, but if my listeners were to go to your site, can you maybe incentivize them? Can you throw them a bone? Where should they go and what can you do for them? Oh, totally. We'll give them 25% off of everything because we appreciate you. Rome 25. Oh, yeah. Is, will, will be the discount code. So really, thank you for that opportunity. It's Rome 25. And then give me your address, and I'll send you a whole slew of our products so you can give them a try yourself, Jim. They're, they're tremendous. We've got grass-fed New Zealand whey protein, which is really difficult to source, but it's also of the highest standards in the entire world for whey protein. It's very clean, and you'll feel that difference in your body. We've got a product called Pump Life, which is a pre-workout, but I think it's like a pre-life for me. It's It's got creatine, and it's got glutathione in it, which are really good neurocognitive restoration and neurocognitive performance benefits associated with that. And, and so there's a lot of products that are for guys and gals like us who have put their body through it, who are starting to age or starting to feel it a little bit and don't want to feel that way any longer and want to continue to perform and to strive and excel. I love it. And I appreciate the code. The Rome 25 code is great, Nick. One last thought. You, because you lived and worked in San Diego, I know you appreciate that town. What's it like to be back home in the Midwest? It's been beautiful. For my kids, it's been beautiful. We've we found a, a wonderful neighborhood here that it resembles the life that I got to live as a kid where they can take their bikes into the back of the neighborhood and go call on their friends. And I, they're eight and six years old. I have no idea where they are for three hours at a time. And they're out playing tackle football in the neighborhood somewhere. They're out at a little fishing hole getting dirty and falling in the ponds and doing all this stuff that we got to do as little boys. And we found a little slice of that here. And my third graders playing tackle football and I'm getting to coach this team and I get to coach high school football here. So it, it's been a wonderful experience and it's just, 
great to be back really closer to family and closer to some of the friends that I've missed out on over the last 16 years. I just before I let you go, I have to respond to that because, you know, we did. We bought a piece of real estate in northern Wisconsin on a lake and we built a house there, Nick, and we spent part of the summer here for the first time. So I've got a son who's now a sophomore at the University of Wisconsin. I've got another son who's a sophomore in high school. And the kid, like, he plays baseball, Logan, our younger one, but he's also about that life, that Fortnite life. We go to the lake house and, Nick, it's, it's exactly what you said. Like, this is the way we all grew up. There are people not knocking on the door. They're not texting. They're not calling. They're knocking on the door saying, hey, can Logan come outside? It's like the best thing ever, right? Isn't, isn't that amazing? When, when a kid comes to your house and knocks on the door and says, can Hudson and Teddy come outside? Right. It's like, absolutely they can. Boys, get your stuff. You're out of here. It's, uh, it's such an amazing thing. By the way, University of Wisconsin, that's one school that if I ever got recruited to go to, it would have been I would have been there in about 13 seconds because it just looks like so much fun. Hey, clones, I want to talk to you about Goodies Hangover Powder. Now, do you know about this product? This is incredible. Goodies understands that you cannot afford to let a hangover slow you down. And for a hangover that is really tough, you need real medicine. Goodies Hangover is more than just natural supplements that you've seen before for treating hangovers. With a history that's rooted in analgesics and putting an end to tough pain, Goody's Hangover has the right formula to stop pain fast and to provide a boost of alertness. So now you can have that fun night without worrying about the next morning. This is the first of its kind. A first hangover offering from an analgesics brand. And it temporarily relieves minor aches and pains due to a hangover, headache, muscle aches. And it helps to restore mental alertness when experiencing fatigue or drowsiness associated with a hangover. I mean, have we not all been there? And it comes in a tasty berry citrus boost flavor. Toss it back or mix with water. Goodies hangover. Real medicine for real hangovers, fast relief with a boost of alertness as well. It's available on Amazon, in Walmart, and at your local convenience store. Nick, how in the world, I keep trying to let you go, man. You were so great to talk to you. How in the world did you, never mind, get to Purdue and walk on? You didn't play high school football, right? You did not play high school football. How does somebody who does not play high school football play 11 years in the NFL? Oh, it, I was a I was a high school wrestler. So I I played football from third through ninth grade. I didn't play my ninth grade. I didn't play the ninth grade year. I was on the team. I didn't get on the field, and I kind of blocked a lot of that out of my memory bank because I think it was so hurtful to me. I was five foot four, one hundred and twenty five pounds. So mm. I figured I don't know how big I'm going to get. I better stick with something where size doesn't matter. So wrestling became my real passion. I ended up my senior year getting second in the state at one hundred and seventy one pounds. And then after I stopped my restricted eating to maintain my 171 pounds, I grew a couple inches. I showed up at Purdue at 195 pounds. I was in the Marine Corps ROTC program. I was a scholarship ROTC kid. And I was just training and doing physical training there. And my buddy, Frank Avino, who was in the Naval ROTC program at the time, he came to me with the Purdue Exponent and and another friend, David Moore, and he said, hey, do you guys want to try out for the Purdue football team? Here's an ad that says, Purdue football walk-on tryouts. Call Blaine Bennett, who was the quarterback's coach at the time. And there ended up, because Purdue went to the Rose Bowl that year, there ended up about 105 guys at tryouts. And I think part of 
part of the luck that I had in making the team and standing out from the 105 guys was that I, I showed up with a high and tight haircut. I was wearing my Marine Corps ROTC PT uniform. I had my shirt tucked in. So I think the coaching staff just looked at me and said, okay, he's got okay size. That was six, three and a half, 230 pounds at the time. And I think they looked at me and said, I bet this kid will do anything that we ask of him to. And I sure did. So I just, every time I had the opportunity to do a drill, I would stand in the back. I would watch all the guys in front of me. I would mimic exactly what they did to the best of my ability. And then I would think about it all the time, all night. It just became all consumed with football. I'd show up and I'd lift weights harder and longer than anybody else. And I ended up by my senior year becoming the strongest one on the football team. I had the biggest bench press. My 40 time dropped significantly, even though I gained 50 plus pounds over the course of walking on. And I I just kind of put myself on the path of success just based on working really hard and making the most of the opportunities that they gave to me. But I mean, there's, there's no mistake. I mean, fate is a very strong factor and luck is a very strong factor, but I don't think those things come to people who also don't work consistently very hard. Nick, you're, again, I'm trying to let you go, but your boys, I'm really fascinated <laughs> about you as a dad then. Final thought, like your boys, I mean, I, I have to think they're young athletes. They're going to want to compete. If they don't want it the way you want it, is that going to be all right? Can they just have their own journey? Like, how do you approach that as a father with your sons? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And we go through these things because we're in sports, and I think, the life lessons are just so accelerated when you have that opportunity to teach through a sporting lens. And my oldest is in a third grade. He plays tackle football. I told you he's eight years old. He's very hard on himself all the time. He's very hard on himself. And I think it's an oldest child thing because my youngest is a little bit more carefree. He's very tough. He's super athletic and he kind of shows up and naturally he's got this great gift about him that any sport that he kind of steps into, he immediately becomes one of the best. My oldest has, I think, the burden and the luxury of having to work very hard to excel. And I think what we watch with Tom Brady and what we watch with Drew Brees is those guys didn't have exceptional talent early on. They just outworked everybody, and they were super diligent. I think that was forced into them based on the parameters that they were given by God. And I think my oldest is super hard on himself and I'm trying to teach him there's a fine line between being critical of yourself and being overcritical of yourself and we came home from a football practice the other day and at the end of the practice I just wanted the guys to be physical and so we ended up playing rugby we had football helmets on and gear and all that and so they were safe but he lost this rugby game he perceived to have lost this rugby game which had no winner or no loser because it didn't really matter because we don't play rugby and he asked me he goes why do you always put me on the worst team and I said well I just picked a team and it wasn't the worst team and you didn't lose and so he just started kind of melting down in the car and I said but why are you so hard on yourself and when he was getting out of the car he goes dad I'm so hard on myself because I want to be as good as you, but I don't know how. Mm. And that it just, as a dad, it, wow. it broke my heart. Right. But then it gave me a really good opportunity to talk to him about working. And I came back to him later at night, and I go to the room every single night, and I tuck him in. And I, every night, I 
say, give me three things you're grateful for because life is good, and give me one thing you're going to work on because we'll have things to work on. And so every night we do that before we go to bed. And I just, as I was up there, I just kind of was talking through him, and I said, you're eight years old. I'm 39 years old. The way to get as good as me, and I think you're going to be better than me, is to just every single day find a way to get incrementally better. And it goes to the the saying we have in our house, and, and this came to me after a heartbreaking loss that we had in Kansas City on Monday Night Football 2012, I believe it was, and we ended up missing the playoffs that year, and a lot of it was because of this one play. We were tied with the Kansas City Chiefs. We were on the 15-yard line. There was about a minute and 20 to go. It was 20 to 20. All we had to do was snap the ball, take a knee, kick the field goal, and the game was going to be over. We were going to win 23-20. Philip and I ended up blowing the snap for whatever reason. They ended up getting the ball and going down and winning it. It ended up being in overtime. But because we messed up that snap, I was just an absolute – goat and not the greatest of all time like the total scapegoat and philip and i for two days on text messages and phone calls and in person the next day at the meeting we said how are we going to go back out there on wednesday how are we even going to go back out there because we don't really and we couldn't identify what happened on that snap how did we mess it up and it just kind of came to me that i need something in my head that allows for mistakes but plans for future success. And so kind of as they do, it came to me that I'm not as good today as I will be tomorrow. And I'll be able to say that for the remainder of my life. I'm not as good today as I will be tomorrow. And that's one thing that I hope to pass down to my kids is that you are never a finished product and you can always improve as long as you're concerted about that effort to improve and you're critical of your success or you're critical of your actions that day but you still understand that you're allowing the failure. It's going to happen. You're working to have a perfect day. Nobody's ever had one. And then the next day you're going to be just marginally better. It's such a powerful message and such a positive message. And Nick, as somebody who has a podcast, you can relate to what I'm about to say. This is why I do this. Like you and I could have this conversation on my daily radio program, but then again, we couldn't. We could never have this kind of conversation because you needed this kind of real estate. I can't tell you how much I got out of that. That was like a workout for my brain. Now that I took that all in, I feel like I better have a workout for my body. So I'm going to hit the road and cut you loose. I didn't mean to keep you that long, but that is such a great conversation, Nick. I can't say how much I appreciate that. Jim, hey, thank you so much for the time. And I got to tell you, the first time I listened to you, I was 17 years old. I was a sprinkler fitter for a fire protection company here in Indianapolis. And I was driving around with an old Vietnam vet. His name was Irv Klein, and he was in the truck smoking backwoods cigars. And I was like, who is this guy? That's just pretty cool. What's going on here? He's like, that's Jim Rome. And so for the opportunity to be on it, it's kind of fulfilling a childhood dream of mine. So thank you, Jim. Hey, listen, did you know that a fire department responds to a fire every 24 seconds? October is Fire Prevention Month, and we have teamed up with First Alert, the most trusted brand in fire safety, to help you be ready for the unexpected and to review some key safety tips. 
As an example, smoke and carbon monoxide alarms help provide an early warning in the event of a home emergency. And having enough first alert smoke and carbon monoxide alarms is one of the best things that you can do for your home and your family. Make sure you install alarms on every level and in every bedroom of your home. That is so critical. Once the alarms are installed, it's also important to maintain them by testing them with regularity. Also, remember the alarms do not last forever and they need to be replaced at least every 10 years. If you can't remember the last time that you replaced your alarm, it is best to replace that unit completely. And for a replacement option, my favorite is First Alert's combination smoke and carbon monoxide alarm with a 10-year sealed battery. This alarm provides two-in-one protection against smoke and carbon monoxide, and I don't have to change the battery for a decade. Lastly, take this time and discuss home safety with your family. Plan and practice an escape route, and remember to practice it at least twice a year. And for more information on fire safety products, safety tips, and educational activities that you can do at home with your family, just visit firstalert.com slash month. firstalert.com slash month. Huge thanks to Nick Hardwick for a truly genuine conversation. That was great. So fun to do. Hope you had a good time listening to it. And I will look forward to talking to him again soon. Also, do not forget about the bone that he just threw you clones. 25% off. He dropped that on all of you. Simply go to hardwick.life, hardwick.life, type in the promo code ROME25 and make sure you take advantage of it. Speaking of taking advantage, make sure to slam that subscribe button before you get up out of here so you never miss a future podcast conversation. Drop us five stars and a quick review too. That would be so appreciated. I am back next week with episode 144, but until then, here are your priceless voicemails. First new message. Jim Rome, Dan, South Bend, far away from those California wildfires. I want to give a shout out to you and to the Jungle Karma for helping the Cardinals beat the defending NFC champions. Ricky in Tampa, are you sure you're not right away from Tampa? Congratulations on 40 years of coaching. I hope you got something on your mama's, on your mama's, on your mama's, whatever. Message saved. Next message. Rome, what's up? This is David from Buffalo. Man, I'll tell you one thing. The flight deck was dropping some serious knowledge on Friday. Incredible analysis. I mean, this guy isn't just your typical degenerate gambler. This guy's got actual takes about the games. He's got research. He's really interesting to listen to. Bring him on every week. And I'll say this, man. He's come a long way from screening phone calls for the butter knife back in the day. Out. Message saved. Next message. Jimbo the Elephant. What's up? It's Dr. Dave. Just wanted to say that the Honey Jones podcast was awesome. I have two of his bow ties for charity, both going towards my dad's charity of the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. I will say, though, this was an interesting week because I had my first patient ever who came into my office and recognized me for who I am as Dr. Dave in Chicago. Gotta love it. Later, fuckers. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim. It's George from Las Vegas. Well, I know Canada is a little upset about not having any more representation, but look at the good news. During the process, Canada will no longer have to taste Matt in Vancouver's ass. You're welcome. Message deleted. Next message. Kenny Milwaukee. I just want to comment on the way baseball is being played today. After watching the Brewers beat the Detroit Tigers last week 19 to nothing, and the Brewers getting no hit yesterday, 
I don't think these teams have their heart in this game. So, uh, Chicago Cup pitcher, enjoy your no-hitter. You pitch it against a team that really didn't care. They didn't have no effort at all, which is really surprising considering we have Christian Yelich, one of the top players in the game, and he's batting around 150 right now. It looks like they don't care, and that's the way I feel about baseball right now. On the good news, Aaron Rodgers looks like he's good to go for another eight or nine years, and I'm glad the Packers went out and got Jordan Love. He might be set in the year 2030. Message saved. Next message. Roll me. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for not being one of these talking heads that says Aaron Donald is the best player in the NFL. No, Aaron Donald is like a top 10 NFL talent. I'll give him that. But without Ndamukong Su, he hasn't done squat. He's a one-dimensional pass rusher. Numbers-wise, good. Best player in the league? Get the fuck out of here. You L.A. talking heads are delusional. Message deleted. You have no more messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.